You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. This is episode number 16, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about Spotify and streaming music in general, because I don't know about you, but I have been just hit left, right, and center uh, with not only news stories, but also questions about Spotify. I, I get a lot of email through Music Marketing Manifesto, often hundreds of emails a day, and I've been getting a ton of questions about Spotify. You know, should I use it? Um, how do you make money with Spotify? I get a ton of plays, but I'm not seeing any sales, you know, questions along those lines. And uh, I think a lot of this was sparked by Taylor Swift's recent decision to pull her catalog from Spotify, from the streaming platform, uh, in conjunction with the release of her new album. So in, in order to really have, I think, a healthy debate about the subject, I wanted to bring someone else in because, you know, I'm, I'm really a direct-to-fan marketing expert I'm a, or, or more specifically a direct-response marketing expert, and that's, that's what I focus on. That means that I sit around uh, coming up with ways to sell directly to the consumer and generate actual income uh, by selling product, namely CDs and merch and sh- uh, tickets, uh, to to fans, to the consumer. That means that I, I don't necessarily care about the traditional music industry. I don't necessarily care about streaming platforms, even iTunes, uh, press, radio, all of these traditional tools. They're very much secondary to the process that I focus on and teach, which is drive traffic, build a email list of fans, and then sell directly to those fans. So I I've got my opinions about about streaming music, but uh, you know they they tend to come from a this, this place of specialized interest and expertise. Um, but Neil Schroeder, he's really you know someone who uh, works in not only new technology but also the mainstream music industry. And I thought he'd have a really healthy perspective to share with you guys. So I asked him to join us. We're, we're going to have basically just a conversation and let you in on that conversation um, to hear uh, both of our perspectives on streaming music and what it means for the independent artist. So. Uh, just to give you a little background on Niels, Neil Schroeder is a successful music executive with over 20 years in artist management and independent label operations. He served as the general manager of the Warner distributed label Surf Dog Records, where he helped propel the careers of such artists as Brian Setzer, Dave Stewart, Jason Newstead, Slightly Stupid, and many others. Uh, but since launching his own company, that's NCS Entertainment, in 2011, Niels continues to pursue his primary passion of advising and guiding aspiring artist, yet has expanded his horizons through consulting opportunities with technology startups, companies implementing music initiatives, and investors interested in entering the music space. So that's who Niels is. You know, all of those bullet points aside, uh, you know, Niels is a friend and someone that I've been working with closely on the uh, uh, Fathead uh, Records project that you heard me talk about in the last Music Marketing Manifesto podcast episode. That's an independent label uh, for which Niels is the general manager and I've been working as the uh, marketing director, and we recently released the first 
album for the label. That was Jenna Magnus's album. She's a blues artist who recently uh, entered the charts with her album at number five on Billboard's Blues Chart, and uh, she's held the number one spot on multiple radio charts this summer. So we've we've been really pleased with that success, and uh, uh, plan to be working on a number of projects together in the future. Uh, nevertheless, uh, once more, uh, Niels is here today to offer what I think is a really healthy perspective on the topic of Spotify and streaming music in general. Uh, Niels is on the line. Niels, how are you doing today? Great, man. How you doing, John? I am doing great. Thanks for uh, joining us on the call. So as you know, basically today we're, we're just going to talk a little bit about Spotify because it seems in, over the last few weeks, at least in my little sphere of awareness, Spotify is just popping up all over the place and is inspiring quite a few heated debates. There are a lot of opinions flying all over the place, and I have mine. But frankly, you know, I'm not really a Spotify user. I'm aware of the platform. I have it installed on my computer. Uh, but short of that, I don't use it. I, I guess at least as of now, I don't enjoy consuming music in that way. And I guess as a music marketing consultant who works primarily with independent artists and is focused on direct-to-fan marketing, I don't personally see this as a platform that at the moment is offering all that much help to the independent artist trying to actually generate income and sell music in the traditional way. Um, but there are uh, uh, you know, a variety of opinions, and I want to get yours. Um, but what really sort of um, uh, prompted this conversation was a post that I, I didn't even post it. I just shared it on the Music Marketing Manifesto Facebook uh, page that's uh, that's facebook.com forward slash music marketing manifesto if anyone listening is not yet connected uh, check it out but i just shared a a post and this is a post that i know you're aware of and many listening probably are uh talking about the fact that taylor swift removed her entire catalog from spotify and if i can just pull up the quote Let's see, where is it here? She said, I'm not willing to contribute my life's work to an experiment that I don't feel fairly compensates the writers, producers, artists, and creators of the music. And I just don't agree with perpetuating the perception that music has no value and should be free. So when I read that, I thought it was awesome. I I uh, had not been paying too much attention to Spotify. I get emails about it almost every day. You know, I receive probably hundreds of emails a day from artists asking various questions. And mostly what I hear about Spotify are complaints. People who are getting many thousands of spins and seeing very, very little money in return. And uh, well, I think the way we should conduct this inter- this interview is I'm, I'm just going to tell you what my perception is as a direct response marketer, and then you tell me how I'm wrong or right, or or, or, or you, you offer your perspective. Because again, we kind of while while our our areas of expertise do cross some path, you're really you, you have a lot of awareness of what's going on in the traditional music industry, and as a direct response marketer, as a as an independent music marketing consultant, I tend to kind of ignore a lot of that stuff. You know, uh, I'm quite comfortable ignoring iTunes and radio and press and all of these things, and my fundamental focus is drive traffic, build a list, build a relationship with that list, and then ask that list to buy your stuff or go to your shows. And, uh, you know, the only addition to that is the more you can perform, the better, because that's yet another way to build that list and build that relationship with those fans. So the sales that I see are all in direct proportion to the size of that audience that you have a direct relationship with. And, you know, I hear it all day long and see it literally several times a day posted on various 
posts that I have out there on Facebook, people insisting that people do not buy music anymore. They, they really do as long as you take this approach, this direct fan approach and ask them to buy. They're, they're not necessarily going to buy if you just get a spin on Spotify. Uh, that, that person is very rarely, if ever, going to be inspired, uh, at least in my experience, to head on over to Google, seek you out, and buy your music. So f- again, from my perspective, I, 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 I see Spotify <laughs> as doing a great job of uh, generating income for the music industry, which of course is going into their pockets, but I don't see it as a platform that really offers much of anything for the independent artist. There is there is a little bit of music discovery value there, much like a search engine or even the iTunes search engine, but I, I don't I don't know that that's leading to many sales. Um, if again, if any, for the average independent artist, I see it as a uh, it's a, a great tool for the consumer. Heck, you know, it's a great way to spend a lot less money and get all the music in the world, just about. Um, but I, again, I, I don't see this as really helping the independent artist. Um, furthermore, it seems to potentially be killing the album, which I think furthermore hurts the arts. Um, I think if you're a, an established artist, it might offer um, some tools of uh, fan engagement. It keeps your catalog in front of those fans so that when you do put out new music, they are, they haven't forgotten about you and they are potentially interested in buying your stuff. But the trend all seems to be going down towards less sales and more money for Spotify from my opinion. So that's, that's my impression. But again, I don't, I don't claim to know everything about Spotify. Um, I've, I've been hearing the debates. Tell me what you think. Am I wrong? Am I right? What is, what does Spotify I mean to you, what is it? What what potential does it represent for independent artists and the music industry as a whole? Well, you're, you're wrong. You're you're right and you're wrong. I mean, it, it all depends on the situation. Um, Spotify, if you haven't tried it as a consumer, from a consumer's perspective, it's fantastic. You know, um, uh, my my one complaint, my my big complaint with Spotify is that they offer a free ad-supported service. I, I just don't think there's enough revenue there to uh, properly support the, the content creators. But think about it, if everybody paid, <clears throat> excuse me, if everybody paid 10 bucks a month, which is, which is what I pay, so I can, I can listen on my computer, I can listen on my, uh, my phone, uh, fully on demand, no ads, 10 bucks a month is one album on iTunes a month. And I don't know, I would think the average consumer, that might be right around where they're at. And if we could get, if everybody would pay the 10 bucks a month, um, $7 of that goes to the content, well, goes to the rights owners, uh, which are the labels and the publishers. I believe the split is uh, 21 cents. Wait, is that, you know, I'm going to have to get my back straight and maybe I can send you some, uh, some documentation on that. I think it's it, 21% of the income goes to the songwriters and publishers and the balance goes to the, the label. I believe that's how the, the split is. I'll need, I'll need to check on that and mm-hmm. get that info. But it's, you know, as far as the trickling down to the artist on the major label side, that's up to the deal that the artist has with the label or with their publisher. Mm-hmm. For independent artists, it's impossible to make any real money through Spotify. So I, you know, I see, I, I definitely see your point there. Um, however, 
it can, it can be a great tool for discovery. You know, I have a, I have a personal experience with it. Um, saw a band called Blackberry Smoke, really dug them, checked them out on Spotify, listened over and over and over, uh, didn't buy anything, didn't buy a download, went to three subsequent shows, uh, you know, brought my wife, so I spent, probably spent, I don't know, $150 on Blackberry Smoke tickets, and they've got a new album coming out in February, and I pre-ordered the vinyl. Right. So, you know, you know, there's a real-life example. It, the, the fact that I, I saw the band and was able to really dive into their catalog and have it available to me, available to me any time, you know, that's the power of a killer band, really getting your attention. Now, there are dozens of other examples I can cite where I've listened to something on Spotify once, didn't grab me, and I moved on. Sure. So, you know, I don't know how many of those would have been sales uh, that, that were missed, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's how I interact with it on a consumer side, and it's, it's, I think it's, it, it really works for me, and I think I've shown you that there is a path toward monetization. Um, for, for an independent artist, you are a thousand percent right. It's all about building your own network and connection to the fans. Email is definitely the best. Um, getting your fans excited about what you're putting out is key. And if you can do what we call windowing, which is what the, the movie business has done for years. Um, in music, it's always been, okay, on Tuesday, the album comes out. And, and that's it. You know, the album is available in retail. In the movie industry... It's always been theaters first, DVD or home video second, cable third, right? Right. So they, they let it go through those various stages. And, you know, cable, you could say, I mean, you know, uh, the, the theater is the ultimate. You know, it's, it's one ticket, one show. DVD is the next level. You buy the DVD, you can watch it as much as you want. That's how and cable is the streaming service. Right. You know, you can see the movie on HBO. It doesn't cost you any extra than your than than what you were uh, than what you're paying on your cable bill. So what you can do now, especially if you're an independent artist, make the the most important offering first, which might be your physical. Could be a CD. Better yet, if you can put together some kind of deluxe package, you know, do that on paper. Uh, get those sales accomplished first. Once you feel you've sort of run the physical uh, physical campaign dry, then you can move over, offer the album digitally, go to you know iTunes and Amazon MP3. And once you feel that started to taper off, you probably hit everybody who's going to buy it. Then then go to the streaming services so that you're up there in in a way to be discovered. Right, I love that's, yeah. You know, that's that's windowing. That's that's starting to happen a lot now, and I think it's a it's a great pathway. And it's really you know people are putting their music on Spotify. I mean, sort of excuse me on YouTube. Sure. You know, which is which is really no different than Spotify. Right, right. Just not as it's a little except little. it's less because there's no subscription service. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's more of a pain in the ass for the user. So, um, and the, and the discovery tools aren't there in the right. same way that that you mentioned. Um, but I love that concept of windowing. You know, you and I. Had, spoken about this in a previous conversation and that's a term that I had not heard used in the music industry and absolutely loved that I had been 
thinking along those lines more just in relation to iTunes, you know, at least for the moment, my current plan, at least with my next album is to release um, just to my list, just exclusively on my site. And that's it for the initial release. And then my thinking was down the line somewhere, move, uh, move on and release it wider to digital distributors like iTunes and Amazon. And then uh, you bring up a great point about viewing uh, streaming services as yet a third tier. I really like that. And I can see how that can can serve artists once the revenue is really dried up from the project then you go and release it so that it's at least out there for music discovery and by that point you're hopefully on the road uh, and already starting to think about uh, the next album so you do get that benefit much like you know again you and I have talked about this outside of this interview you know one of the things with radio and we're experiencing this with the artist um, that we've been working together on Jennifer Magnus we're not seeing at least as far as we can track uh, to the best of our ability a ton of sales coming in from all this radio play she's getting and she's getting a lot she's you know number one artist on a number number of big radio charts um, but what we are seeing uh, as best as we can tell and track because these things are a little murky but uh, we are seeing butts and seats you know people are hearing her on the radio and then coming to the shows and I think that right. as you mentioned uh streaming services potentially are the new radio at least in that sense i don't think streaming services have the ability to motivate uh sales like radio at least once did but i think uh i think that they may very well help with getting people to shows like like you mentioned um so yeah uh, backing up i i love this concept of of windowing i think it, i think it's great um but why don't we why don't we just kind of and, and you, we've touched on them but why don't we take on the major objections at least that i'm hearing uh, if you if you're aware of any others by all means bring them up but the first of course is that spotify doesn't pay enough now i can't keep the breakdown straight all i can tell you is what i'm hearing um, because again i i don't i have labels that own my my albums i never see anything in terms of counting from spotify so i have no idea what i'm personally making from spotify um but uh but all i hear from uh, quite a few upset artists is that they're getting many many tens of thousands of downloads or, or, or streams rather and seeing virtually nothing you know very very tiny checks well, so what does it pay and what what does it pay enough uh, i mean my understanding from a recent i think it was a cnn interview i had seen was that there is really no intention to change the the pay schedule even though i'm hearing a lot of discussion that when more people subscribe artists are going to make more but i'm not so sure that that is in the plan so t talk about that for a little bit does does Spotify pay enough? And okay. Well, enough. according according yeah. Well, according to Spotify, they pay seventy a uh, roughly seventy percent of their revenue to the copyright owners, mm -hmm. to the labels and the publishers, just like iTunes does. iTunes doesn't pay artists. iTunes pays the copyright holders. Right. They pay. They actually iTunes just pays. The uh, the master owner and the master owner is responsible for paying the mechanical. With Spotify, they actually pay both parties uh, separately. Mm -hmm. So the label the label gets their money. They don't have to pay another publishing royalty. Spotify takes care of that. So if you're talking about percentage of income, it's the same as iTunes, and but but it pays out in a similar way that uh, performance royalties do for radio. You, know, you can say, well, how much is a spin on a radio station? Well, <laughs> it depends. It depends right. on the market. It depends on the date, you know, the time of day that it was played. Uh, there, there, and and how much money uh, there is in the BMI or ASCAP pool uh, 
uh, during that particular period. You know, it's 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 a fraction of it's you know it's a, it's a direct proportion of the spins to it's a it's a it's a your spin to overall spins ratio which determines your little small cut of all the money collected from radio stations from BMI and ASCAP and CSEC. So similarly, with Spotify, uh, it depends. Someone who is listening for free on the ad-supported system is generating less revenue for the copyright holders. There, there's a pool from all the advertising that Spotify brings in, and that pool is divided uh, amongst the songs that are played. So the denominator is the total number of songs played on Spotify. The nominator, the numerator is the number of times your song was played. So it could be 1,000 over 45 billion, whatever that, uh, whatever that fraction is, and right. you get that ratio of the money. So um, I, they, I, I've seen all kinds of stats where it's like, six-tenths of a penny to uh, eight-tenths of a penny per stream. The royalty statements I've seen, it seems to be about half that mm -hmm. is what ultimately makes it through. Like I use as a rule of thumb about three-and-a-half cents of – sorry, three-and-a-half tenths of a penny per stream. Right. So roughly, roughly three streams for a penny. Right. You know, it could be a little off, but that's – that's what I've seen, and every statement is a little, you know, every time you get a statement, it's a little bit different. So, again, it depends on who's listening, how it's weighted. Do you have, right. more, do you have more free users um, listening than paid users? You know, that changes, that changes the equation. But I don't know. I guess a good rule of thumb and easy way to calculate it is three stream, a, a penny for every three streams. So tens of thousands isn't going to get you anything. Just like tens of thousands of impressions on radio – and I'm talking about literal individual impressions, right. people listening to radio is not going to get you much. If you get one spin on a station that has 10,000 listeners, what would you expect to make? Right. Well, yeah. I, I, next, I, next to nothing. Next sure. to nothing. A few pennies. So it's the same, you know, it's the same kind of concept. Um, now, so tens of thousands will not generate any real revenue. You've got to get in. You start seeing real revenue in the tens of millions. So you're one of those artists that gets into the tens of millions or hundreds of millions. You know, the, the songs are generating real income at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's the, you know, that's the concept of Spotify, that if we have lots of listeners, especially paid listeners, listening over and over and over, and more people listening to your music than would be buying it, the idea is that it, puts it, it brings the money back to where it was uh pre-digital right. i don't know if that'll happen but that's the theory anyway right are you aware of any breakdowns that compare streaming to radio in the sense of uh, you, you touched on it whereas you get you know this minuscule amount of money for a spin but that spin is going out to potentially tens of thousands even hundreds of thousands even potentially millions of, of people depending on the market sure. um whereas right. you're getting this even smaller amount of money for a stream but that's going out to literally a single person are you aware of any breakdowns right. to compare how that stacks up against a radio well rate? radio yeah radio you can compare more to pandora mm -hmm. or the spotify radio service um, because Spotify, you know, the per individual stream rate on Spotify is actually much higher than, than it is for radio because radio is not on demand. 
Um, I don't know. I, I don't know any exact figures. Right. And, but, um, and how does it strike right. you? You know, one of the benefits of radio is that it is sort of this fleeting experience. The song comes on, you either like it or you don't. If you do, when it's gone, it's gone. You don't know when it's ever going to play again. <laughs> so there is motivation yeah. to go out and seek out that song and and buy it if you want more. Whereas on Spotify, if you like it, you can just listen to it over and over again and you have it there in your library basically forever at no additional cost. So I don't see that pull being there to cause you to want to go out and, and purchase anything from that artist. What's your take there? Well, I mean, what happened with, I mean, I think we have to rewind a little bit back in the seventies and eighties, you could buy a single. If you liked a song, you paid a buck and you got two songs, right? Right. You got a, you got a 45, and you got two songs. Then when CDs came along, um, which were cheaper to make than vinyl, uh, labels jacked up the price and took away the single option. Right. So you wanted the song, you bought the album. You bought it. And I, personally, I, I know this as well. This is my experience. I bought a lot of bad albums <laughs> to get a good song. Sure. And it started to piss me off. I mean, even if just, you know, I was in the industry, but I get pissed off at a lot of these records because, you know, labels were signing bands based on the fact that they had one song that they could drive off the charts, put it on the CD, uh, you know, uh, surround it with 12 to 14 other tracks that aren't very good because the artist had only, the band had only been together for a month but happened to write a great song. They send them out on these radio tours. They blow it up. There's not a lot of competition for entertainment. Gaming hadn't blown up the way it is today. There was no internet. And so, you know, music was a big deal. Music was a major part of our, uh, of our daily conversation. And you, you put down 15 to 18 bucks for a CD to get that one song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think people were getting pissed off, which is why when Napster and MP3.com came along, a lot of kids who didn't have a lot of money were like, you know what, fuck this. I can get it for free. I'm tired of spending all this money for a song for, for all these songs I don't want. Right. Then iTunes comes along and there's another now there's a single solution. Right. And of course, singles sell great on iTunes. And it's a big part of their business and the album kinda went away. Right. But you know, I think albums become important when the artist is really great. And just because you make an album doesn't mean somebody should buy it. You know, your job as an artist is, is to really move somebody to the point where they've got to have more. And if you're not doing it, you know, well, you're not doing it. Right. So, so, you know, yeah, there was, there was, uh, it was awesome when people bought CDs and there weren't a lot of other, you know, entertainment choices, but now there are, and sure. there's still only 24 hours in a day. And there's just, I mean, with apps that have come along, there's so much time just occupying, you know, there's so much occupying our time that, you know, you better be really good. You better really move me if you want my money now. Right. And, you know, so, but, you know, back to the basics, build your email list, grow your fan base, engage your fan base, monetize the most you can, but, you know, Spotify is going to be part of it. I really hope that, you know, what I do like about what Taylor Swift did, and I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, I, I mean, the timing is interesting. You know, she's been on Spotify for, 
the last three or four years, right. <laughs> you know, no problem. Right. But the week her record drops, she suddenly, you know, she suddenly got a big issue with it, you know. <laughs> and as a side note, the other, the other underlying current, which people are, are, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently the label is looking to sell. And so the more revenue they can show immediately, the, the more it helps their potential sale. Interesting. That's one of the, that's one of the rumors out that's floating out there. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's, uh, but it's certainly interesting. Gotcha. But you know, it, it, it's just you know, her album is about to drop. This big album, it's a carpet bombing PR campaign, and she got more press out of it by by bringing up this whole Spotify conversation. But it did put the Spotify conversation in the in the spotlight, where a lot of people were talking about it. I would have friends of my wife who have you know very casual music fans asking me, "Oh, what's the deal with Spotify?" Right. You know, it's, it's really cool to be able to explain it. But sure. I do think there's a solution there. The ultimate solution, in my opinion, is Spotify drops the free service altogether. It's a great service for 10 bucks a month. And if you had, you know, 20 million people subscribing, which is not a lot of the worldwide market, 20, people, 20 million people subscribing, that's 200 million in revenue a month. Is there and that is, starts to add up? Sure. Is there any realistic expectation that they are going to drop it? Obviously, getting to increase their user base, the, their best shot at that is having that free option. Uh, I can imagine that well, they, they're not talking about this yet, or or are they? Well, I'm sure they're talking about it. I mean, I think they have to address it. If <laughs> if enough artists pull out, right? You know, they're gonna they're, they'll be like e music. You know, e music was awesome. It was twenty five cents a single on e music, but sure. they didn't have any major label content, right. so it couldn't survive. Right. Um, the thing with Spotify is they do have the major label content because the major labels own a combined twenty percent of Spotify. Right. So they're <laughs> they're not incentivized now. Taylor Swift is actually signed to an indie distributed by a major, but it's an indie right. who could say, you know, yes, we'll pull it off. And some artists have had the leverage with their labels to pull it out. But to think that the labels will pull out of Spotify and math, it's not going to happen. Sure. And with any tech company, it's not about, it's not about the revenue they're generating. Like, I don't know what, what Spotify is valued at right now, but they've raised 500 or $600 million dollars. Wow. And but it's like any tech play. What's your exit strategy? It's it's not necessarily about building this, you know, for the current uh for the people who are currently running Spotify, you know, with with a lot of tech companies, it's not about building a long term strategy for the business. It's about where can we get the valuation up to so that we can go public and then flip this thing. Sure. Sure. You know, and the way you go public and flip is by having a large user base. Sure. So that's why the I, I'm not really, uh, uh, you know, expecting to see any changes. I'm not, I'm not thinking soon. that it's. I'm not thinking. That, yeah, I'm not thinking that the free service is going to go away anytime soon. Right. Right. Well, um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm wondering what power the artists have or the you know the music publishing industry has to sort of force that change because I think you're right, at least you know with my limited 
knowledge of the issue and just listening to your conversation, I, I think uh, the doing away of the free service may um, help tip the scales back in favor of, of being fairer for the artist. If that's a word, fairer, is that a word? I don't know. Um, but going back to fairer, that. Sure. More <laughs> fair. <laughs> there we go. Uh, going back to that um, Taylor Swift post, I don't know. I think I brushed right past it. One of the things that struck me when I um, shared the post was the enormous amount of activity. It was hundreds of shares and hundreds of comments and, and there was quite a mix of opinions, but there is a lot of negativity. You know, there is, there is, uh, it was negativity all over the place. It was negativity at the industry. It was negativity towards Taylor Swift. You know, I can't tell you how many people commented along the lines of, you know, she's just some rich, you know what, who doesn't uh, know what she's, who's disconnected from reality and, you know, I don't, shouldn't complain to, you know, Spotify's ripping off the music industry and good honor. You know, I thought, I personally thought it was, it, it was great. One of the major thrusts of the original article and at least her public statements is that, you know, this Spotify and streaming services in general are helping to perpetuate this concept of, music being fairly worthless and it's driving down the income that an individual artist can generate. And, and we are seeing while the music industry as a whole is generating actually more money, at least last stats I saw, I think that was last year. Um, the, you know, the recording industry is going down and that usually means less money for the individual artists. So what is, what's your take on that in terms of streaming services potentially representing a, a, or at least contributing to a death of music and art as, as we know it, you know, driving down its perceived value and making it harder for independent artists, smaller artists, to take a piece of that pie for themselves so that they can make money while they grow and mature and build that base and become the next great Art artist, because obviously the major labels aren't developing artists anymore. And if there's no money for independent artists to to make while they develop themselves, um, you know, where is this heading? Where is the music industry heading? Is is our streaming services going to really just just kill the lifeblood of of organic music, or 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 no? Well, let's look at it from another point of view. Before Spotify, what was killing music? Well, uh, pirate band. piracy. Yeah, yeah, piracy. So it was already going down. The, the 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 people, you know, who were consuming music, kind of already spoke and said that we don't really want to pay for this. So I don't know that it's um, being music being devalued by streaming services uh, so much as the internet showed how easy it was to get. Sure. You know, fil films too are easy to get. I think we just have to, you know, the, the debate really needs to be, okay, this is where we are at. How do we deal with where we are at? Because we can, we can say all these things philosophically where, oh, this is bad for business, you know, they're devaluing arts, they're, you know, no one wants to pay for music anymore. Um, you know, but okay, but it's kind of true. So, sure. so where do you go from there? Right. All right. So you can't just say, you can't just keep saying, Oh, nobody wants to pay for music and I'm pissed off about it and something needs to change. But we already saw that given the opportunity, people will take it. Sure. They'll take it for free. At least what Spotify is doing is trying to bring additional revenue uh, to the table. So that's not, that's not all bad. Right. Um, 
I think, you know, I, I think live that's... shows. Live shows are still you still got to pay to go see a band. Sure. So you know, from the live side, you can still make money. You still got to pay for a T-shirt. You know, you still got to pay for for other experiences. You know, there there are lots of ways to monetize music, and you know, who knows? That's yeah. just. But again, for the independent artist, I know this is who's listening. For the independent artist, just keep going back to the same old thing. Work your list and build it as much as you can. And if you can utilize Spotify in some manner to help build that list, then do so. Sure. Sure. I think you, I think that's a really valid argument, the piracy argument. And, you know, the people had already sort of uh, voted in terms of, you know, what the consensus was uh, as far as the value of music goes. The only argument that I might throw into the mix is that there were uh, piracy is illegal, you know, and, and the potential for better legislation. Uh, I've never understood why we couldn't force these file sharing companies to put filters on their digital files. Well, forget the file Forget the file sharing companies, it, it, because a lot of those are offshore. Mm-hmm. It, it's the ISPs. Right. It's the ISPs. They are the they're the real problem. They're the evil. <laughs> they're, that's the evil guy in the room. Right. Are the ISPs? You know, because what does a BitTorrent site require? It requires a lot of bandwidth. Right. And right. what's good for what's good for uh, these cable companies offering internet service? Right. Selling more bandwidth. Right. So if you want to download movie files, if you're that kind of internet user, guess what? You need more bandwidth. Sure. And Cox and Verizon and all those, they'll sell it to you. Sure. Here you go. Sure. And Google has certainly made it easy. You know, they didn't exactly block stuff. They yeah. can block porn really easily. <laughs> right. You know, Google Google can block all kinds of content. Yeah. But they chose not to block file sharing sites. Yeah, and the ISPs because can block why? can block content as well. Why? So. Because Google sells advertising on those sites. Sure. So what you know? So so really, they're the culprits, and I think Spotify is just trying to come up with you know, and other streaming services are trying to come up with some kind of solution. The other side of it is, John, how many people want files anymore? Right. Right. I don't need any more files. Yeah, I hear you. You know. <laughs> As someone, as someone you know, broadcasting just, from the middle of nowhere with a pretty difficult internet situation to deal with, which is still a lot of people actually, you know, in the world, files are handy as compared to streaming. Me listening to any kind of streaming service is a pain in the butt because it's constantly breaking up and interrupted. But I hear you. That's certainly the trend, and and the cloud is where the future's at um, for for sure. Um, but I, you know, I think I think this is all great, and like I said, I, th- I think this is a. In truth, you and I, obviously, we had had this conversation in a, in a different form earlier, and I thought, you know, this is a really healthy discussion, and let's share it with people um, to give different perspectives on on really what Spotify means. Because anytime I see it pop up or I share something, it's just a lot of spouting off and negativity and and comments from people who, in, for the most part, I don't think really understand or care to understand the issue. And I, I think I think you ultimately summed it up, um, if I can paraphrase, in that uh, you know it doesn't really necessarily matter if um, streaming is changing the music industry uh, or not, uh, a, a, or devaluing music as as Taylor Swift 
mentioned at the end of the day, uh, the music industry is going in the direction that it is, and there's no real value in sitting around complaining about it all day long. Uh, we as artists are going to need to adapt. And I think there are, and, and I know you feel the same, there are more than enough tools for independent artists to actually go out and build uh, a, a profitable career using direct to fan marketing and live shows and uh, all these things that are available to us. And and I love that concept of windowing. I think that's something I'm going to have to do a dedicated uh, blog uh, post on all in itself, because I, I think that's really going to be part of the key. Um, but I know you have to go. So, uh, you know, again, just want to thank you for sitting in and, and sharing this perspective uh, with, with the listeners. It's a hot topic at the moment. Uh, do you have any final words for, uh, for everyone before we sign off here on, on Spotify and the future of streaming music? Well, yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, as a consumer, check it out because if you're, whether or not you're against it or for it, try it and understand it and understand why people like it so much. Uh, the second thing is see where it fits in to what you're trying to achieve. If it's something where where you've got a lot of a lot of artists have just gone the road of acceptance and saying, you know what, my my recorded music, I'm not going to make anything from selling it, but the more I get it out there, the better it is for me. Or do I window it? Do I really work my list hard to try to monetize as much as I can? And once I've run that dry, then maybe I put it up on Spotify. But to completely ignore it, I think is a mistake because to not be to ultimately not be discoverable is it's just not a good thing. It's like right. saying, well, I don't like Facebook, so I'm not going to be on it. Sure. You know, Facebook is free. How much are you getting paid off of Facebook? Not much. Right. How much are they making? A lot. In fact, not only are you not making money on Facebook, you're spending money on Facebook. So, um, you know, just, just look at every opportunity as and, and see how it will work best for you. Right. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Uh, awesome. Thanks again, Niels. I really appreciate it. Uh, you have a, a great rest of your day. All right, John. Thanks a lot, buddy. Take care. All right. Once again, that was Niels Schroeder. Big thanks to Niels for uh, joining us for this conversation. I thought uh, he offered some really great perspective on streaming music and Spotify, uh, to be more specific. Um, if you want to learn more about Niels, you can do so at ncsentertainment.net. Uh, that's ncsentertainment.net. You can learn more about Niels, his company, and perhaps connect with him there. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you all listening, but for me, the big takeaway there, and I think this is really the important point, is that whether or not streaming music is the ideal um, environment for independent artists or not. Um, it is the way things are going. It's where things are currently at. So I, I think, as Neil pointed out, there's not a lot of point in sitting around complaining about it and posting nasty comments on Facebook and YouTube about how everyone is getting ripped off. I think, you know, we have the choice. We don't have to uh, put our catalogs up on on these platforms. We have the choice. Um, take, take a look at the platform, what it ultimately may offer you based on your marketing strategy, and decide where it fits in. Uh, do you want to release your entire catalog on on Spotify? Do you want to perhaps only release a uh, a small percentage of your catalog. Do you want to uh, window your album release, as Niels suggested, and uh, use Spotify and the streaming services out there uh, later 
uh, in the lifespan of each album cycle. Uh, that's ultimately up to you. What makes sense for one artist may not make sense for another. I personally like the the, the latter suggestion of windowing your release. I, I'm, I think I'm going to be doing some posting on that concept because I think it's a, a, a nice articulate way of expressing some of these newer release strategies that make sense for independent artists by doing uh, by releasing your album in, in such a way, I think you have the opportunity to benefit from these services, perhaps generate a, a bit of income, but not have them step on the toes of the initial interest that surrounds most artists' releases. So that that's most likely what I'll be doing, um, but I'm curious to know, what, what do you think makes sense? Uh, is Spotify uh, for you? Is it not? Uh, does it have a place in your next album release. Um, if you're listening on the Music Marketing Manifesto site, be sure to leave a comment and let me know. Uh, if you uh, have enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast in general, please do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Those reviews in particular, they really help the the podcast. They help, uh, help us in the iTunes algorithm, which helps more people discover the podcast. You know, the more uh, reviews you get the better you do so if you enjoy uh, what you're listening to and want to hear more of it please do me a favor and head on over to itunes and leave a review there again they really help so again thanks for listening uh, to another episode of the music marketing manifesto podcast Uh, if you'd like to learn more music marketing Uh, strategies, tactics, and tips, be sure to sign up for the Music Marketing Blueprint. It's a free 40-minute presentation uh, that basically lays out the strategy that I uh, recommend and teach to other independent musicians. It's free. You just uh, enter your name and email address, and I'll shoot you a link to the presentation, the video presentation. All right. Thanks again for listening. Hope you all had a a great Thanksgiving and have a a really happy holiday season ahead. Uh, Take care, and I hope to catch you in the comment section. Uh, over at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.